Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new America. Feature person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! Who is here in pre-recorded spirit, if not in person, as she is out visiting my folks this week. We'll have a special segment with her next week uh, where she described what she was up to with my folks uh, back in the Midwest. Because I've been uh, told many times on Twitter that the soccer is interesting, but everybody really loves hearing from the 10-year-old. So that'll be lots of fun. That week, next week, uh, we're also giving Noobstradamus the week off uh, this week. Just seemed like a good time to do that with Person Noob already being gone. So with the exception of a little bit of silliness from me, we don't want to play things totally straight here. We are going to be laser focused on learning about bringing you the biggest, highest stakes matches we can from nearly every confederation in the world. It doesn't matter if it's a big league or big international teams or if it's from a smaller area. If a match is important where it's being played, this is where this show kind of tries to set itself apart, and we try to look everywhere. This particular week, we're going to be covering matches from Friday, July 22nd through Thursday, July 28th. And so, with no further ado, let's jump into tracking those matches with... March number one! The weekend waste snow time, getting us started with a very high stakes match. Uh, the latter part of last week and here this weekend, the quarterfinals of the Women's European Championships are going on. The winner of the match that we are going to mini preview here will get to face either England or Spain in the semifinals. You'll be able to catch this one on ESPN, the hot deuce, three o'clock Eastern time here in the U.S. It is Sweden taking on Belgium. Now, Sweden is listed first, and so we'll talk about them first, but they're not playing this at home. The entire event is actually taking place over in England. Currently, the gals from over in Sweden, they are ranked second best in the world by FIFA. Uh, They came into the event ranked number one by UEFA. After the group stage, they redid the coefficients and moved them down to number five, but you can starve a mouse on the difference between the top four over in Europe, mathematically anyway. Uh, internationally, 2003 of uh, the World Cup, they were uh, the runners-up. That is tied for the best they've ever done. Have managed it more than once. The most uh, recent World Cup, 2017, they finished in third place. Here in the Euros, they've actually won it before, but all the way back in 1984. Uh, more recently, like uh, the last iteration of this event, 2017, they made the quarterfinals. Now, this being a U.S.-based event, I went ahead and uh, checked, and I was uh, a little bit surprised just how dominant the USA have been against this team all time. Uh, USA has a 23-12-8 record. Now, more relevantly, how have they done against Belgium? Well, I believe they've only played them four times all time, and Sweden has won all four. 
in the group stage that led up, of course, to this knockout stage. They beat the Netherlands by just two on goal differential. Incredibly tight race. They went 2-1-0 and with an 8-2 and goal differential. Uh, on the event scoring leaderboard, players to look out for if you're going to be watching this with a couple of goals already. And I want to make really sure I get her name right. Uh, Philippa Engeldahl. I want to make sure I get that hard G because... Uh, over in Sweden and, you know, most of the, you know, like the public schools, probably all the schools, they teach English. And, uh, well, when she was a teenager, somebody uh, started joking apparently about it being uh, angel doll. Hey, babe. Hey, broad. You're a chick or whatever, which is, you know, sounds a little bit strange, especially since I wasn't a Swedish accent that I was just doing. Uh, but regardless, uh, once she was old enough to understand that she was being mocked in that faction, uh, she actually maimed a person. She uh, uh, threw a punch, broken neck, and set, put somebody in a wheelchair for life. But of course, it being Sweden, all they did was send her to prison for about three weeks, made her take a class, and now she's out. And she's a really good soccer player, so good for Miss. Engeldahl. Boy, I want to make sure I get that right. She's frightening. Uh, she's one of just seven players in the event with multiple goals so far, and she has made uh, over 30 national team appearances for Sweden since 2018. And then their captain, keeping Miss Engeldahl in line, is uh, Carolyn Sager, 37-year-old veteran midfielder. She plays for Swedish side Rusengard right now, but her last two stops were at two of the best clubs in the world, Lyon and PSG. Not that Rusengard is anything to sneeze at, but Lyon and PSG, French French football for the women, has been setting the, the bar for quite a while. And uh, if you're a really hardcore U.S. women's fan, yeah, you might be recognizing her name. She played for a team called the Philadelphia Independence and then the Western New York Flash fairly early in her career. And she has accrued just about more national team appearances than anybody I've ever seen on any team, uh, 232 looks to be the most recent ticker for that. And we do have a USA connection, a player that plays for the San Diego Wave, one of the NWSL expansion teams here in the U.S., forward Sophia Jacobson, or maybe it's Jacobson. Uh, she spent the heart of her career over in uh, Montpellier over in France, not one of their very best teams over there, but still in one of the very best leagues. Team's current form, well, being that highly ranked and there being a little bit of a lack of parity on the women's side, not a real surprise here. They haven't lost a match in at least the last year and a half. Belgium, they are known as the Red uh, Red Flames and are definitely your underdog. FIFA ranks them as uh, number 19 in the world. They're just outside the top 10 uh, with UEFA. Never been to a World Cup. They made the Euros, uh, the group stage in 2017 and went 1-0-2, I think asterisk that that was the first time that they'd ever qualified for the event proper this year they finished in second place behind france no shame there lost to them by actually only three but still it was a dramatic race they beat iceland by only one iceland got draws in all three of their games in any case belgium have been playing a little bit of small ball uh they went one one and one with a three and three goal differential key players to look for Janice Kamen, uh, if you can spot her, because she is all over the field. Striker, midfielder, fullback. My guess is they have her leaning a little bit more defense these days, 33 years old. Uh, still plays for Lyon, one of the great clubs in the world. And then the other gal I want you to look out for is Davina uh, Filchians. Uh, she's a defender, 33 years old, with over 100 national team caps herself. She's over in Italy, which is kind of a, a high-end, up-and-coming country for women's football, if you will. And she plays for uh, Sassuolo. I've got a hard time seeing Belgium 
uh, advancing from this unless they are able to control the pace, uh, maybe keep it to nil-nil and win in penalty kicks. Match number B. Out with tired old stinky bathroom talk number two. That's right, daughter dears. In with number B. Listen to it in action. So couth. So nice. It's a Saturday match. It is match number B. And we're headed to the fourth division of U.S. women's soccer, semi-professional, the USL women's division. This is a league made up of seven divisions, and uh, eight of the teams got to go to the playoffs. They have whittled it down to two. Your finalists are Minnesota Aurora and South Georgia Tormenta. Uh, this time, unlike in match number one, we do actually have a literal host. They are playing this in Egan, Minnesota, a suburb of South Central uh, Greater Minneapolis area. This is Minnesota Aurora's first year in existence. I think I'm going to be rooting for them just for this reason alone. I love running into stuff like this. It's a community-owned team. So they've got over 3,000 members slash owners, and uh, basically they don't answer to anybody else. I think that's wonderful. Uh, They're going to host this at TCO Stadium, which has about a capacity of 5,500. They were your Heartland Division champions and undefeated at that. They had the number one offense, scoring almost three per match. The number one defense as well, uh, giving up only two goals every three matches on average. Now, uh, it was the defense that really set them apart, that almost three goals per match. Yes, it was number one, but not by leaps and bounds. And in addition to uh, hoping to win this trophy, their coach already got one, or maybe she got a plaque, I'm not sure. Coach of the year, Nicole Lukic, who i got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of. I was reading a fluff piece on the team. She's a fan of chocolate. She's a fan of peanut butter. She doesn't like both together. I don't like to use phrases willy nilly like, you know, bad American, but I would really I would really worry about that sort of thing depending on what administration is controlled locally or federally for her. You can't you can't do that here in America. I don't get it. Anyway, Morgan Turner, she had eight goals, and two, including two in the playoffs. She is their best player. And then uh, maybe their most valuable in a certain way, Mackenzie Langdock. She had four goals on the year, but also a couple of assists. She was your overall uh, statistical points leader for the team in the regular season. Now, South Georgia Tormenta, they are in their first year of existence as well, playing out of Statesboro. They won the Deep South Division in a much tighter race by just one over Chattanooga Red Wolves. They had really similar offensive defensive uh, stats to Minnesota Aurora, but in this particular division, it was a much more defensively oriented one. Their offense really set them apart. Now, the gals to look for in this one, particularly if you can find a, uh, a Facebook stream or something to watch this. I got to think it'll be online somewhere being the final. Cindy Martinez, she was the top goalie in the league, your Golden Glove winner. Six clean sheets, gave up just over a goal on average every other match when she started. Uh, and she is a really, really big fan of the new Drake album, which, uh, Drake album, which puts her in rarefied uh, air. There weren't a lot of people that enjoyed that. And you know who didn't enjoy that? Amy Andrews, one of her teammates, golden boot winner. It's a good thing that they play on opposite ends of the field. Now she has 16 goals on the season in just 10 appearances. Absolutely stunning. But I want to know uh, which one of them can box who has any kind of MMA experience. She uh, not only is she not a fan of the new Drake album, but my understanding is she's going to lead some sort of a class action. Isn't the right word, but uh, she's part of a group that's familiar with uh, old time crooner music well enough that she recognizes that Drake stole a number of, uh, 
uh, hooks and uh, chord sequences, various things from Mel Torme. So uh, maybe we got a uh, young lawyer here or a budding lawyer because she's going to be uh, helping lead that particular lawsuit. And my understanding is that I hope the officials don't allow this, but th these two have agreed to uh, have a fight at the middle of the pitch uh, right at the end of the match, no matter who uh, wins. Uh, that, that might get views on Facebook Live or whatever, but I'm hoping it really doesn't come to that. Match number three. We remain on Saturday on the calendar, but we're off to our third confederation already. This is the final of the Women's AFCON. That is the championship for the national teams in Africa. Now, in addition to being the standalone championships down there, this is also a World Cup qualifying event. All four of the semifinalists have made the World Cup. But uh, believe me, they're still going to be after this trophy in large part because these teams have had seemingly so few opportunities to win it. Nigeria has won 11 out of the 13 trophies, but they're going to be playing in the consolation match. Who made the final? Well, it is your hosts, Morocco, and they hosted the entire tournament taking on South Africa. Now, Morocco came into the event, uh, into the event ranked number four in Africa, number 77 by FIFA. Never been to a World Cup, never even been to the Olympics. In fact, I believe this might only be their third uh, AFCON uh, event proper appearance in uh, 1998 and 2000. They made the group stage. They've had a little bit more luck at the regional level. They won the UNAF in 2020. That's uh, the NA and theirs for Northern Africa. And they also finished in second place in the Arab Women's Championship back in 2006. 2019, they finished in third place in the African Games. That's an event that's every four years and uh, basically uh, mirrors uh, the Olympics date-wise, two years on, two years off for those collectively. Uh, they qualified, of course, for this event as hosts, but they would have anyway, I believe. They went 3-0-0 in the group stage with a 5-1 goal differential. Tied for number one in events, scoring with three of those goals was Ghislaine Chebak. She's a forward for Moroccan club team ASFAR. Now, I don't know anything about Moroccan women's league football, I'll be honest. Except for this now, the ASFAR must <laughs> absolutely dominate that league because something like 80% of the national team all play for that club. It was really astounding. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last 13 matches. They've, uh, including all of their matches this year, uh, they've won five straight with an eight and three goal differential. And they were the ones that knocked Nigeria out for good from the event. The semifinals, I believe they went one, one through added time and then beat them on penalty kicks. And what an amazing match that was. They set an event attendance record seating over uh, well over 45,000 people. I wonder with the trophy on the line, if they will break that for their match with South Africa, which is ranked number three in the Confederation, number 58 by FIFA. Uh, four different times they have finished in second place in this event. Most recent one was 2018. They'd be the best were it not for Nigeria, clearly. Uh, seven times they have won their sub-regional event, uh, the COSAFA, Southern Africa, the SA in there, including three straight from 2017 through 20. Uh, 2019, the last World Cup they got to attend, and they went 0-0-3. But you know what? They'll just get better and better. African football is uh, behind uh, three other confederations in development, to be perfectly honest. But they're going to keep getting there, and they're going to get better and better. And this is one of the four teams that's going to be a part of that. Uh, to advance to the final, they beat up-and-coming Zambia. The Copper Queens won nothing. We were really getting the world's uh, underdog cheering for them. They had never been nearly so far. 
Uh, they went 3-0-0 in the group stage in South Africa with a 6-2 and goal differential. They played in the same group as Nigeria and beat them there. Uh, they had the second-best offense tied for the number one defense at that stage. On the event scoring leaderboard with a couple of goals, Linda uh, Modal Hollow, uh, she's a winger, 24 years old, plays for the very good Swedish club, uh, Gardens. We learned earlier the yes, uh, Sweden is a very powerful uh, country in women's football, and she played for the Houston Dash in 2018. Also, with two goals matching her, Jermaine Siop, <laughs> shoot, I forgot to practice when Siapo Senway. I'm probably, uh, it's S-E-O-P-O-S-E-N-W-E. She plays for Braga over in Portugal, and she played her college ball here in the U.S. Uh, for Samford. And we have a USA connection with this team. Tembi Kagatlana, she plays forward for them. I'm not sure she's made any appearances yet, but she is on the roster for racing Louisville in the NWSL. Uh, she last played for Atletico Madrid. So uh, this is a gal with a lot of talent and she will be playing for racing Louisville. Make no mistake. Teams current form. They have lost five straight. Their only losses on the year were in uh, friendliest to the Netherlands and up and coming Zambia. And their last three wins. Interesting. Interestingly for what were uh, one nil wins. So if they can control the pace for this one, I'm not sure it's going to be a real offensively filled game, uh, but it still should be very exciting to see who, since it doesn't involve Nigeria in particular, is going to come out on top. Match number four. Onward to the end of the weekend, and we head back stateside for match number four for our feature Major League Soccer match of the week. Uh, second place out in the West, Austin FC are going to take on number three, NYRB from out east. Uh, Austin Trail, LAFC amazingly still uh, by just one in the West and was very much becoming a two-team race for the title and the bye that the conference winner from both conferences actually uh, will get come playoff time. Quick reminder that the top seven make the playoffs. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Red Bulls New York, they trail NYCFC and Philadelphia by five and six respectively in what there has become a two-club race. Uh, Red Bull are really going to have to make a push to probably uh, compete with the top two there. You can catch this match on ESPN Plus, 8 o'clock Eastern time here in the U.S., Austin, what a year they are having after finishing last, uh, in not last year, but last year, nearly in last place. They finished number 12 in the West. Not totally unexpected for an expansion team, but boy, their success this year really is. But that's kind of the joy of the uh, somewhat forced parody of Major League Soccer. I think they're largely trying to uh, model that. Uh, after the NFL, where most any team can compete in an awful lot of years. Uh, their key men tied for number three in scoring in the entire league with 11 is Sebastian Driussi, their Argentinian attacking midfielder, who came over from Zenit in St. Petersburg in 2021. And congratulations to him and the team. This is Austin's first ever All-Star selection. Top 10 in assists, Diego Fungoodies Fagundes. I don't know if that's uh, caught on on a national basis. Probably not. I doubt our listenership numbers quite put it into that. But I still love the fact that uh, my voice feature once tried to uh, put Fagundes as fun goodies, and uh, I've simply decided that should be his name. Maybe I'll try to tweet him directly. Slide into his DMs, as the hip kids say. Uh, he is from Uruguay, another attacking midfielder. Spent his entire career with uh, New England Revolution before coming over here in 2021. And then red hot for them of late is there uh, another DP for them, Alexander Ring. Uh, he's a Finnish player, defensive midfielder, but he's still got three goals and two assists on the year. 
good dribbler, and he got a goal to mash before last, so he's been really on fire. Uh, he spent four years with NYCFC before coming over here in 2020. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last seven. Uh, they just had a 1-1 draw at number six Dallas that snapped a four-match win streak. They had a 10-4 goal differential over the win streak, and that included three road matches. I want to say they've got the most or second most wins or points earned on the road for the entire league. Just an outstanding turnaround for year uh, number B for the Verdes. Meanwhile, coming to mess that up, New York Red Bulls. Uh, last year, they finished in seventh place in the East, and they went out in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, they have won the Supporter Shield three different times, best record in the league, and uh, last time was 2018. Uh, this is a team that offensively could be doing a little bit more. They've, uh, they, they're top six in that regard, scoring almost one and a half uh, per match. They're tied for number three on defense, bearing, barely allowing over a goal per match. I think that they've got to uh, kind of up both those stats just a little bit if they're really going to make a push for the top two. They've got the third best goal differential, so they kind of are what they are at this point. Uh, the East is definitely the weaker division, only or conference rather. Only four teams in the East actually have positive goal differentials. Naturally, this is one of them. Uh, key player for them on the scoring leaderboard nationally with eight is their Scottish winger, Lewis Morgan, who came over this year from Inter-Miami. But I think their best player overall might be Christian Caceres Jr. Comes out of Venezuela, plays right winger, just 22 years old. Uh, he's very good uh, you know, back home. He's got 17 national caps, good dribbler, good tracker, uh, good tackler rather, and his interceptions are very, very high. So this is a guy that could both start kick uh, Kickstart the offense, but tracks back particularly well on defense. Teams fo form in their last three. They are 1-1-1, one, one, and one, and they just lost the Hudson River Derby to NYCFC 0-1. It'll be interesting to see what they have left in the tank for this particular match. Match number five. We hit our fourth confederation of the podcast. You know, it's interesting that uh, we've gone with Rocket America for our name. It wasn't necessarily the favorite name of a lot of the uh, staffers who I pulled. But back when we were talking about changing the name from 10 to track, it was the one that I liked best just because we had the theme song kind of already in mind uh, for better or for worse, as I'm sure you'll remember at the beginning of the show. But Rock in America is a bit, bit of a joke because while we do try to lean U.S. and CONCACAF, we go all over the world. This time we're headed to South America, Colombia specifically, because they have been hosting the entirety of the national team championships there, the Copa America Femenina. Now, the semifinals are taking place this week with the finals next Saturday. But the match we're going to look at is actually the fifth slash sixth place match, essentially. It's Chile versus Venezuela. Now, the reason for that is that all four of the semifinalists are going to qualify for the World Cup. Yes, another event where it's uh, doubling as a World Cup qualifier. This particular match has a lot at stake because the loser will be out of the World Cup entirely the winner will get an interconfederation uh, playoff match berth. I'm not sure what team from what other confederation they will have to play for a right to the gold of the World Cup, but they are not out of the mix yet. South America, Conmebol, they have a chance to send five teams. One of these two teams should have at least a coin flips chance at it. The hosts on paper are Chile. They are known as the Feminine Red, and we'll start by talking about them. They're ranked number 38 in the world, fourth best in CONMEBOL. 
2019, the last one, was their first ever World Cup, and they actually managed to win a game in the group stage. This is a confederation that is largely dominated, just like on the men's side, by Brazil and Argentina. So it's really nice to see that somebody else managed to get on the board with a W. Uh, They finished in second place in this event, 2018. That's the best they've ever done. I also looked up how they've done against the U.S. uh, 0-0-3 all time. No real big surprise there. South America, kind of like Africa, the women's football is somewhat up and coming, maybe a little bit more developed than Africa, but still a ways to go to catch up with uh, CONCACAF and UEFA. For this event this year, they finished number three in their group of five, and uh, they were three points behind second place Purdue. uh, Purdue Purdue University got a special invite. No, Peru, and uh, three points ahead of number four, Ecuador. Uh, They finished with a barely positive goal differential, nine uh, nine goals for and eight goals against. Uh, That offense very much had them on par, par with everybody else, but Two goals per match was pretty poor, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Two goals each. These are your team uh, scoring leaders for the event, Yeni Acuna and Francisca Lara. They are captained, most importantly, by Christian Ender, their goalkeeper, who is 31 years old and plays for Lyon. Yeah, she is arguably considered the best goalkeeper in the world. She won that award from FIFA last year, in fact. Played her college ball at South Florida, which I had never realized before, even though I've mentioned her before once or twice on previous shows. Something to watch for for her, if you can find this on TV, is she is particularly good at starting build-up play very quickly. She is uh, she is dominant of the box, can control things, but her teammates know what to do. And when she has the ball, uh, particularly for club, I don't know if it's quite the same for uh, international ball. It'd be interesting to see. She gets rid of the ball very, very quickly. This is a team that loves, uh, teams that she plays for typically love the counterattack. Team's current form, well, they just lost 4-0 to uh, hosts Colombia. That was on the heels of two straight wins. And now Venezuela, just a little bit below average in rank, number six in Comable, ranked number 52 worldwide by FIFA. Never been to the World Cup, so if they can get to the ICPO, that'll be really special. Uh, 1991, they finished in third place in this event, but that's the best they've ever did. All the other times they've played, they basically haven't gotten out of the first stage or the group stage. This year they went 2-0-2 in the group stage, finishing third with a 3-5 goal differential. Uh, that offense was really poor for this particular group. Uh, even the defense wasn't all that impressive. I'd really think uh, Chile are the heavy favorites for this match, to be honest. But that said, I do want to point out with that uh, the stats, uh, third place was really what uh, three of those teams were going for because they were in the same group as both Brazil and Argentina. So they finished uh, three points behind Argentina and three ahead of Uruguay. Uh, Even though they only got three goals, two of them were at the feet of one gal, Dana Castellanos, forward, 23 years old. Uh, She plays for Man City right now, but that is on the heels of having played two seasons for Atletico Madrid in Spanish football. It's really starting to challenge uh, the French on the world stage. This is another gal who got recruited to play uh, in Florida for her university ball, by the way, played for the Seminoles. I'm a Miami fan, so not my favorite team, but good on her just the same. Team's current form, they have lost two straight, but I will point out those were to Brazil and Argentina. Back, stay back, feral felines. I know what it is you want, what it is you need. You shall have it. A recap of last week's matches. Let's take a look at them. 
match number one last week was a Friday match from the UEFA Women's European Championships, where we had Austria taking on Norway, and Austria got the perhaps mild upset with a 1-0 win. Yeah, we said to look forward, Nicole Billa had a goal, so yay for her and yay for us for knowing uh, match number B from the Malaysian Super League, second best Sabah FA in the standings, played number one Johor Darul Tazim and JDT. The current power there came out on top with the important road win 1-2. For Sabah, Tae Park, who we said to look out for, he had the first goal of the match. No change in the standings there in Malaysia Super League. Saturday match number three from USL's League One. Number B, Richmond Kickers on number one, Greenville Triumph, and the result was a triumph, triumphant win, one to three. Guy we said to look for, and he is going to perhaps be your golden boot winner in that league, I suspect. Jacob Labovitz, he had a hat trick. No change in the table between these two. Match number four from the NPSL, some lower division U.S. soccer, fourth level, in fact, from the Western Conference. The Pacific Division final was between number three, Crossfire Redmond from the regular season, and number four, FC Arizona from Phoenix, and it was the Redmond side absolutely smashing 4-0 congratulations to them for moving on into the regional slash national playoffs match number five from Tahiti's League One number B P-Ray took on number one Dragon P-Ray won two to one and so the two of them have switched positions congratulations for the two of them on their now guaranteed top two finish and they will be in next year's OFC Champions League uh, Sunday, match number six, Major League Soccer. We took a look at uh, number one in the East at the time, Red Bulls New York, taking on NYCFC, the Hudson River Derby. And it was the visitors getting the win, 0-1, Valentin Castellanos, who is now moved on. Uh, went over to one of the European sides. I'm blanking on which one just signed him. But in any case, uh, that moves NYCFC up to number two, and Red Bulls drop down to number three. Match number seven for the women's AFCON. Uh, Botswana versus Cameroon. Cameroon came out on top with a nil-one win. And uh, thusly, this was a, kind of a consolation match. What they call the uh, repechage there, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, the winner will get to go to a World Cup Interconfederation playoff, so they are still alive to get into the World Cup. Match number eight from Brazil's top flight, the Serie A, number seven, Sao Paulo, took on number five, Fluminense, in an important part of the standing. Sao Paulo is trying hard to get back into the Champions League mix, but they only managed a 2-2 draw at home, and that actually, based on other results, drops them down to number nine. Match number nine was a Monday match from the CONCACAF women's uh, side of the ball. It was the championship, the USA and Canada. Uh, United States got a 1-0 win. Thursday, match number nine from Egypt's FA Cup final, or rather match number 10, excuse me. Regardless, it was Egypt's FA Cup final between the two traditional powers there, Aleli and Zamalek. And it was Zamalek, as usually happens in the FA Cup, even though Aleli might be the slightly better league team, Zamalek is almost always performed better in the Cup. They won 1-2, and their league superstar, singularly named or nicknamed Zizo, he had the opening goal. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later from the Rattle of the Week Saturday's match from USL League 2 for tiering United States soccer. The Chesapeake Division, we looked at Lions Bridge taking on last place Commonwealth Cardinals, and you selected wisely. Number one, Lions Bridge came out 
with a 7-1 massacre of the Cardinals. Then the most meaningless match in the world from the Allsvenska Liga in Sweden. Number 8, Gutteberg took on number 9, Miyabi. And that went to a 1-1 draw, as is always appropriate for the most meaningless match in the world. For Gutteberg, uh, a guy that we identified as quote-unquote the most meaningless player that we said needed to do better for the team to do better, Hossam Aish. He actually had a goal. I'm not sure we've ever had a most meaningless player end up making a big difference in the game that week. So that was kind of fun. Uh, that moves them up to number 7 and moves Miyabi down to number 10. And finally, your match of disappointed, a Friday match. Once again, from the fourth tier in the U.S., we go back to League 2, the Deep North Division, where last place Minneapolis City played host to number 5, St. Croix. And it was St. Croix getting a 0-1 win. It was their first win of the season. Arms, no, I apologize. It was Minneapolis City getting a 1-0 win, and they weren't their first win of the season. So even though you still stink, congratulations. It didn't make any difference in the table, and now your season is over. That's kind of the way the match of disappointing tends to go. So that concludes the recap from last week's matches. Now let's get back into mini-previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Half of the main part of the show in the book. And so you deserve a little respite. You get Monday off from your main tracking. Tuesday, we pick things back up with a trophy match in Canada, the Canadian Championship Final. This is their FA Cup. The winner will get a direct berth into the CONCACAF Champions League. No real surprise that two of the three Major League Soccer teams made it to the final. Remember, the Canadian teams that play in MLS don't qualify for international play through their league results this is how they have to go. So this is really important for them. And your matchup is going to be Vancouver, the Whitecaps taking on Toronto FC. The series between these two lately has been uh, dead even. Seven, four, and seven records for each. You can catch this on Fox Soccer Plus at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Vancouver, they have won this title just one time, to my surprise, 2015, and yet twice they have been to uh, the CONCACAF Champions League and been all the way to the semifinals once. That was in 2016. Uh, Currently, to be honest, not having a great year in league play. They're just number 10 in the West. Uh, They advanced to this final, by the way, by beating York United 2-1 in the semis. That's uh, one of the really good teams from over in the uh, relatively new Canadian Premier League. In league play this year, best chance to see what stats they're building up. Uh, The offense, they're barely scoring over a goal per match. They're near the bottom of the conference in that regard. Their defense is almost no better. 1.5 plus goals per match given up. Uh, Their star right now tied at least for second best in events scoring with three is Brian White. American player plays striker for them. Uh, Let's see here. I've got a note here that he plays for or has played for uh, the Red Bulls before, as well as Duke University, and that he has an incredibly punchable face. I'm sure that that is probably how he got into Duke. Anyway, best player they probably have going in league play anyway is Ryan Gauld, Scottish attacking midfielder with three goals on the season. He also is really good at getting attacks going, dribbles well in space, cuts back, gets a lot of interceptions. What's really surprising with him is that uh, his his passing accuracy is really down. And I've got a feeling that's where uh, a fair number of the struggles with this team start. Team's current form, yeah, struggles is what I said. 0-2-1 with just a 4-6 and six goal differential. Their hosts, or uh, guests today rather, Toronto, are they doing any better? Well, let's look at them internationally in the past first. They've won, uh, or not internationally, but in this event, they have won it eight times. 
So they've had a lot more luck. I believe the last time was 2020. Uh, they beat Montreal, so they had a little bit tougher path. Uh, 4 nothing at the semifinals. Montreal is easily the best team in Canada right now. I'm not sure how they didn't make it to the semis. Oh, actually, maybe Toronto beat them. We'll find out momentarily in my notes, maybe. Ha. Tied for number three in event scoring is Ayo Akinola, their forward, 22 years old. Uh, he actually played one time, I found out, for the U.S. men's national team, but then he switched his allegiance over to Canada, and he actually could have played for the Nigerian team. He's got a uh, family lineage there. Uh, currently in Major League Soccer, they are in 13th place in the East. They're not having any better of a season than Vancouver. Uh, which is really surprising because they made the quarterfinals last year in the CONCACAF Champions League. So uh, that's not quite the best they've ever done, but pretty close. They made the semifinals in uh, 2011. This year, the offense is uh, just a bit below average, but their defense is where they're having problems. They're starting to flirt with uh, giving up two goals per match. They're not going to be going anywhere in league play. Best player that they've got going probably is their central midfielder, Jonathan Osario. Five goals, four assists. Excellent tackler as well. And while he's not a super high-volume shooter, he is very accurate when he chooses to. And while he doesn't get a ton of assists, he's very good at starting the attacks on the dribble. Uh, also, he plays everywhere on the field. They could stick him back on defense if it's really called for, uh, but he's more effective when he's uh, pushing up on the offensive side. He has spent his entire career, uh, admit, he's only 22 years old, but still, here with Toronto, and yet he's got over 55 uh, national team appearances already. Hmm. Uh, team's current form, they are 0-1-4 in their last five with just a 4-8 and goal differential, and they haven't scored a goal in either of their last two matches. Match number seven. Flip your calendar page to Wednesday, if you would, and buckle in for another long flight, although this time we are staying in the same confederation as we did for match number six, just heading to the far southern end of it. We go from Canada to Central America. It is time for the beginning, the preliminary round of the CONCACAF League. Note that I did not say CONCACAF Champions League. This one is a feeder tournament for the other one. I believe it's still the top six finishers from this event will get to move on to the CONCACAF Champions League. It's mostly Central American clubs. I want to say 18 of them is what I saw. Plus, the winner of last year's uh, Canadian Premier League and then three teams from a qualifying sub-regional event from the Caribbean, but both of the ones we're going to look at are uh, Central American here. Say hello to Berdes out of the country of Belize. Yeah, old British Honduras, and they are playing host to uh, CD Platense Municipal out of El Salvador. This is the first match of a two-legged home-and-away tie. These two probably both feel pretty lucky to have drawn one another because they had the teams uh, divided into two pots uh, based on where CONCACAF ranks the clubs. And these teams were last and second to last place in their pots, respectively. So they're both feeling better than average than they might have about their chances of advancing to face Salvadorian club Alianza that would await them in the round of 16. This particular match will be hosted again in Belize at the FFB Stadium, has a capacity of 5,000 over in Belmapan. And we will talk about the hosts first, the Green Machine that are Verdes. They were founded in 76. They play in the town of San Ignacio, west central part of the country, uh, maybe 30,000 people. If you've ever been down there or considered going down there, this is the region that you've probably been to or been looking at. It's full of ruins 
caves and is a big natural reserve uh, region in the country as well. And then demographically, a couple interesting things I found out about this area that makes it different from the rest of the country. I don't know for sure when they emigrated over. I, probably the 60s or 70s, but this community has a fair number of uh, Chinese people from the area of Guangzhou for some reason. And then additionally, while it's not in San Ignacio proper, pretty close by, there's a Mennonite community. So very fascinating area. By the way, the league that this team comes out of, the Belizean Top League, uh, it is ranked number 16 by kick algorithms amongst all leagues in CONCACAF. So this is not one of your stronger ones. This is, uh, in fact, this is the only Central American team that only qualifies one team to this event. Verdes, they have won, I think, four national titles. Some of the information I found was confusing. Uh, now they play stages. What I saw didn't seem to indicate stages, so they could have won multiple stage titles in any of the four different years. But in any case, uh, this is one of your, uh, this is probably your more recent power, if you will. Uh, they've always produced national team players, but just not a ton of league titles up until very lately. Uh, they made the group stage of this event, by the way, back in just 2015-16. So they are not to be completely discounted in the event overall. Last year in the CONCACAF League, they lost to uh, Santos de Guapiles from Costa Rica in the preliminary round. Uh, this year, they qualified by winning both the opening and closing stages of the 21 uh, 2021-22 season, and both stages they won by a lot over the uh, second, place, uh, second place team, Altitude FC. Uh, in the 2021-22 closing stage, when the rest of Latin America would be called the Clausura, uh, but again, it's old British Honduras, so they're still, you know, they're using English over here. They went 9-1-0. In fact, that was the same record they had in the opening stage as well. They had the number one offense going into the closing stage, almost three goals per match, and that was almost twice as good as anybody else. And then they only allowed two goals in the 10 matches. Just incredible. Uh, tied for number one in league scoring with five was uh, Mexican player Juan Carlos Lopez. And then tied for number one in scoring as well with him was, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Christian or Cryshawn Lopez. He is a Belizean player who plays in the midfield. And now the team that there's a chance that you're at least a little bit more familiar with, Platense. They are known as Los Gallos, the Roosters, that play out of uh, Zacatecoluca in the south-central part of the country. It's right at the foot of the San Vicente Volcano, beautiful area. Uh, this is sort of the commercial regional hub for all of the surrounding agricultural area. They've only ever won one title. So when I say there's a chance that you're a little bit familiar, more familiar with this club, potentially, it's only a little bit because that title all the way back in 1975, it's just that it's a little bit bigger. Soccer country is all I really meant by that remark before. Uh, their nation's Primera División is ranked number eight in CONCACAF by kick algorithms, making it uh, the fourth best league probably in Central America in strength. Uh, they and Guatemala are kind of near the bottom. Nicaragua is below them. This country in Guatemala, they get a full three teams in, but two of theirs have to start in the preliminary round and only one gets to skip ahead to the round of 16. If they were just one notch higher in consideration, they would get two teams and one into the first round and preliminary rounds respectively.
They qualified for this event by having the best record overall last year of the non-stage champions, which was really surprising. If you look at the ordinal rankings, they finished number six in the Apertura stage and then only in fourth place in the Clausura. They didn't come close to first place in either of them, but all the teams that didn't win each of those stages must have had really poor records in the opposite one. So that's how they're here. Uh, the Clausura stage, they just had the number seven offense of the country. They barely got over a goal per match. Defense was a, you know, a little bit better than average. They only allowed a goal per match. Tied for number three in scoring for them, player to look for, because I suspect Paramount Plus will be covering this. I just don't know for sure. Look out for seven-goal league scorer Irvin Herrera, their star. Match number eight. More CONCACAF Wednesday action. This time we're back in the States for our FA Cup. It's the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup, where three major league soccer teams remain alive for the title and one lower division team still vying for that nice shiny trophy, Sacramento Republic. Not a huge surprise in that regard. This is a a very well thought of Division II team. They've been fighting, in fact, to get a team into major league soccer for quite a while. I think it's just a matter of time. The winner of this match will either get Orlando or Red Bulls, New York. And that's all you're going to get out of me for this particular match, because this is the time of show that we take our culture break to learn something about the host city or region or sometimes country. But in this case, it's going to be specific to the city. Sacramento is kind of known as one of the tamer big cities in California. So I wanted to find out what is there to do in Sacramento besides go, of course, to see them play Sporting Kansas City, which is who they're playing host to. A couple of little ideas I found. If you're into museums, I know, maybe not the most exciting thing right off the bat, but bear with me because these are kind of fun. Uh, You could go to the Museum of Medical History. I know, still doesn't sound exciting yet. Uh, it's largely fee- uh, It largely uh, leans towards uh, medical information, pharmacological and surgical tools from about 1850 onward. We've got a lot of medical textbooks, exam tables, and doctor's office furniture. Again, I'm sure you're not salivating yet, but, well, salivating may not be what you're doing when you're done hearing about this. They also regularly have for you to look at live leeches right on site that so often got used to uh, remember they used to years and years ago just get put on the body to suck out blood and that it was thought that that could you know cure what ailed you just you know to get some of that blood out for some reason I'm not sure exactly what the logic was there but they've got uh, really frightening looking ether masks uh, infectious disease paraphernalia uh, irregular doctors I wasn't sure what that meant but it sounded interesting uh, they've got arsenic and strict nine which obviously you know is like really medical because those sound poisonous to me and an iron lung now an iron lung is one of those things that i've always been familiar with the existence of but i had never bothered to actually look up and see a picture an iron lung is a negative pressure machine that encases almost the entire body and then they change the pressure up and down inside so that it forces your body to simulate breathing. It was used a lot uh, trying to treat patients uh, back in the day who had uh, botulism and polio. But really the main reason it got caught my attention this time, uh, I would love to find out if it really got used anywhere because there was some interest in reviving the production or at least use of these early on in the COVID pandemic because they're actually so incredibly cheap to make. And then once you're done staring at all that stuff, you can go on to the Bohart Museum of Entomology. 
uh, I would probably, uh, well, it depends on your proclivities, uh, eat or not eat before you go. Uh, Entomology, this is on the US, uh, the UC Davis campus, and it hosts uh, displays containing over 7 million bugs and spiders. Uh, I don't know if they serve these or serve them all on a regular basis, uh, but something I saw is that you will at least catch tales of edible, edible insects. Uh, they uh, talk, they have or talk about roasted tarantulas, dragonflies that you steep or soak in coconut milk, or fly larvae that are steeped in soy sauce and sugar. Now, if you're grossed out about that, well, guess what? With the exploding world population, climate change kind of has our attention right now. But overpopulation is still going to be a big thing. It already isn't part of the world, and it will be coming to the U.S. for your kids or grandkids, where bugs are going to be a major part of the diet. So maybe you should try to build up some family recipes like these now. Oh, to that end, by the way, if you're health conscious, uh, take this dietary tip, and you can use ground grasshopper pound for pound in place of hamburger and it actually lessens your fat intake by well over 10% from that so you know uh, I don't know if Burger King will be doing that as opposed to their uh, I don't I can't remember the name impossible whopper or whatever it is but you know I wonder if they you know how long it will be before they start involving grasshopper burger and by the way, one final little note here. They have something called the Biolegacy Program that offers you the chance to buy, I have no idea on the price, the naming of a bug or spider after someone you love. Aw, oh, isn't that sweet? Match number nine. Our last two main matches are Wednesday ones as well, and they are European matches. First, we're going to talk about for number nine, the second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. In the second qualifying round of the UEFA Champions League, the losers, they're not out of international play entirely. They would drop down to the third qualifying round of the secondary international tournament in Europe, still the Europa League. Your matchup, FZ Zurich, of course, out of Switzerland, facing Azerbaijan's champs, Karabag FK. Karabag won the first leg at home, 3-2. to two. I always like to look for the uh, high-scoring ones that... Uh, where the series is still very, very close. This was the best candidate by far. Uh, Zurich, they, of course, play in the Swiss Super League, which is ranked number 15 in UEFA, a little bit better than I would have thought. Uh, this particular team, I feel like I've been following them pretty closely uh, the last few years. It must have been right before that that they were down one of the lower divisions. They were just re-promoted back to the Super League in 2016-17. Uh, their title last year was their first in over a decade. They've won 13 of them overall in their history. Twice they've made the semifinals of the Champions League, but you've got to go all the way back to the 1960s and 70s when they were able to do that. They are the only Swiss club to have done so in any era. 2018-19 uh, was their last international appearance. They made the round, uh, or a Champions League appearance anyway, they made the round of 32. That's tied for the best that they've done here this century. They are entering at this round. 2021-22, they won the league by 14 points. Really ran away with it over a, a very strong power in recent years, uh, Basel. Uh, they had the second-best offense going, uh, scoring over two goals per match, second-best defense, uh, top goal differential in the league, as you might imagine. And this was a very high-scoring league. Zurich will really look to push the pace, I'm sure. Second-best scorer they had last year and still on the – or now not with the team, though, was Asan Sise. He had 20 goals. 
but he has moved over to Serie A to play with uh, Lecce, one of the teams that just got promoted from Serie B. So now they're going to have to rely more heavily, it would seem, on last year's number five score with 13 goals, Antonio uh, Marchesano. He is a Swiss midfielder. Most of his career, he's actually been in the second division in Switzerland, and I don't think he's ever competed or played for a club outside of that country. And then second best in assists last year and still with the club, Adriat Guerrero, uh, their Spanish left back. I love seeing those defenders get forward on the, uh, from defense to offense. He's just 24 years old and came up with Barcelona. I didn't find anything specifically about transfer rumors regarding him. I have a feeling with a, within a year or two, La Liga will be looking at him very closely, though. And now Karabag, they play in the capital city of Baku. They're actually originally from Agadam, but they had to evacuate, as did a whole bunch of the people over there, back in 1993 due to a war with Armenia. Uh, and that dispute was really only settled at all to any degree within the last couple of years. In uh, Up until 2020, in fact, it's been an utter ghost town, completely uninhabited. Uh, so currently the area where they're originally from is under Azerbaijani control, but not many people are living there now. I'm sure the team would like to eventually go back. They're very popular, kind of getting the uh, sympathy vote amongst a lot of fans around the country because that town just was just absolutely sacked. Uh, the team, they are known as the Horsemen. Uh, they're ranked uh, just inside the top 75 in UEFA, at least as of a couple of years ago. Uh, the league is ranked number 29 in UEFA, so just a little bit below average. This team has won nine league titles. Uh, the 2020-21 title was the only one in the last probably seven or eight years that they didn't win. So this is very much your uh, current power in that league right now. 2017, they became the first club from their country to reach the Champions League group stage. Uh, last year, they made the round of 32, uh, which was right ahead of the group stage, more or less, in the Europa Conference League, the new tertiary tournament. They advanced uh, to this round by uh, they had to start the previous one, unlike their counterparts today. They beat a Polish team called Lech Poznan, really whooped them 6-0 on aggregate. Uh, they won the league last year by 19 points over Nefci Baku. Uh, yeah, there's not going to be another team that comes out of this league for a while for Champions League, I don't think. Uh, they had the number one offense going with almost three per match. Number one defense, not even allowing a goal every other match on average. Just ridiculous. Their goal differential was over five times better than anybody else, including Nefci Baku. Key players to look for, uh, the singularly named KD, K-A-D-Y, from Brazil. And then uh, Philip uh, Ozovic and Ibrahima Waji from Senegal. Uh, they were all part of like a five-part tie overall last year in this league uh, for the number one league scorer. And then uh, I don't want to discount their goalkeeping, even though he's got a very long name. Oh, here we go. Shakrudin Mago Mendaliev from Makachkala, Russia, decided to include that to make it even harder for myself. He was the second best goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets last year with 10. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Second leg of the two-legged home and away tie. Second qualifying round, this time from the aforementioned tertiary international club tournament in Europe. 
the Conference League. We're going to take a look at AIK from Sweden playing host to Vorskla from Ukraine. Good to see them back in action. Also good to hear very recently that they are going to be playing the Ukrainian Premier League again this year after having last year you know, off, canceled, abandoned, what have you, obviously because of what's going on there. Uh, Vorskla, by the way, won the first leg 3-2. to two. So this is a chance for Sweden to come back and see if they can at least even things up on their own turf, send it to penalty kicks. I love AIK, AIK's nickname. They are known as the Naw, G-N-A-W. Uh, they play in Stockholm in an area called Solna, which is near the city center. Uh, if you like your team's blue collar, this is not one of them that you want to root for. This is one of the richest places in all of Sweden, actually, is Solna. Uh, by the way, the Elsvenskan, the top flight there that they are the uh, that they are playing out of, is the number twenty three ranked league in UEFA, so a little bit above average. As far as the clubs rank, I almost wonder if this was a typo. I know it's one of the summer leagues, and that the teams there don't team to be, tend to be quite as strong, but they're ranked just outside the top two hundred fifty currently, according to what I found. Uh, they've won 12 league titles. The most recent one was 2018. Uh, back right at the turn of the century, they made the Champions League group stage about as good as they have ever done. More typically, they usually uh, end up in like the Europa League and fall out in the second or third qualifying round. They entered this event at this particular round. Uh, last year in the league, they uh, tied with Malmo in points. So they almost got to the Champions League, but they lost by eight on goal differential. So close to getting back to the pinnacle. Right now, they're halfway through the Summer League there in Sweden. Uh, currently, they're in third place, three points behind number one, BK Hocken. Uh Fifth place offense, defense is a little bit weaker this year, to be perfectly honest. They're barely above average in that regard. Uh, that said, this isn't a very high-scoring league overall, except for the top two. Uh, best player that this team has going, by the way, is probably Jordan Larson, their center forward. Three goals, three assists, and to my mind, a little bit unusual because I don't think he plays like a center striker. I think he is their point man, but he's got 30 chances created on the season. That's just an astounding number. Is an excellent passer, particularly for his position. He's very good on crosses. So this is a guy who moves a lot laterally, if you find a way to watch this on TV. Again, probably Paramount Plus, if anywhere. Uh, he just came here after three years with Spartak Moscow. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three with an even 5-5 goal differential across all competitions. And now the team that the world will probably be rooting for, Vorkstla, uh, they play out of the city of Poltava, which is uh, not the name of the town that they're from, or rather, that is the name of the town they're from. Vorkstla is the name of the river that runs through or next to the city. It's less than 300,000 strong in population. It's in the east central part of Ukraine, if you want to imagine that. Uh, in the 1960s and 70s, even in the post-war area, this was still a major hub for training and military Russian communications officers. Kind of interesting. Ukrainian Premier League is ranked number three in all of Europe. This team, the best that they've ever done is third place. They've done that twice, most recently in 2017-18. Uh, 2018-19 season, they were in the Europa League and made the group stage. They've managed that a couple of times. That's about the best they've ever done internationally. Last year, they lost in the second qualifying round to a Finnish team, uh, KUPS. That's very good again this year. They qualified for this particular event as the number five. Uh, I'll use the word finisher, but they didn't finish the season. None of the teams did. They 
uh, abandoned that as I managed uh, earlier partway through. They were just over halfway through the season. And so Vorskla was in that position to get that very last ECL berth. They had the fifth best offense going at the time, scoring over one and a half goals per match. Number five defense, number five goal differential. It's not the highest scoring league in the world at all. When you're only giving up one goal per game and you're uh, barely above average in the standings, that tells you what you need to know. Uh, Also, when it comes to the Ukrainian Premier League, uh, this team is the back end of the best. There's essentially, ability-wise, two divisions in Ukraine, and uh, Vorskla is the tag end of the top division. Last year, they had the number five score going with eight, again, at the halfway point of the se- uh, of the season. Olivier Thill, the pride of Luxembourg, midfielder for them. I follow a couple of Luxembourgian accounts on Twitter, and I know that uh, uh, his name pops up quite a bit. He was also tied for second best in the league in assists at the time that they abandoned it. Now, the question is, who's going to be playing for this club? Will this guy be there? In March, he started playing with the Division Two. Turkish club. And I'm unsure if the, if he's, I've seen one thing that says he's on loan and another thing that implies that it's something of a permanent move. So yet to see if he's actually going to be play, uh, playing, but I think that'll be the case. Also one interesting side note, his brother Vincent also plays with this team. Bring forth the bonus matches. Remember that you have a chance to vote for what these three bonus matches are going to be each and every week. Early in the week, I put up the polls on Twitter. Soccer Noob USA is my account there. You vote. Glorious content gets manufactured. It's dreamy. The first match is one. First versus last place that we call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And interestingly, we're going to be going to uh, Asia for all three of our bonus matches. Particularly interesting, not just because we love following football everywhere, but other than Oceania, uh, the AFC is the one place that I don't believe that we have gone this podcast, if memory serves. And thusly, we start off in Taiwan or Chinese Taipei. We're going to play politics here, whichever you prefer. I'm going to use Taiwan just because it's shorter, if nothing else. Uh, Their Premier League is ranked number 35 in the AFC. Uh, That has it down near-ish, the bottom, but we follow the matches everywhere they are in the world. The winner of this league will get to go to the AFC Cup. That is a secondary tournament in Asia, and uh, they'll get to start right in the group stage. On the bottom end of things, uh, one team is going to get relegated one team will get to fight for their chance to stay up in a relegation playoff match. Now, there was a team that withdrew not long before the season started, CPC Corporation, that already withdrew. So the last place team of those that are playing won't get automatically relegated. They'll have to play a Division II Taiwanese team. They're about uh, a third of the way or so through this season, by the way. Your matchup, number one, Thai Power taking on uh, hopefuls but unlikelies, number seven, Meng Chuan University. Thai Power lead the defending champs Taiwan Steel by just one point, but Ta- uh, Taiwan Steel have a match in hand. To be perfectly honest, they're going to be the number one out of this team out of this league more than likely. Uh, Thai Power they won't be falling asleep in matches like uh, this one on Sunday against Ming Chuan. They know they need every point they can just to try to keep pace with Taiwan Steel. Uh, as far as Ming Chuan goes, they trail AC Taipei by three. Let's see. Taking a look at uh, 
Tide Power first. They are known as the Southern Overlord. Cool nickname. Playing out of uh, Kaohsiung City. Uh, that's the third biggest uh, city uh, there in the territory or country. It's uh, basically a province of its own. has about 2.75 million people. This is where their Navy is stationed. And it's also an export center uh, for all the nearby agricultural areas in the southern part of the country. This team has had a little bit of success internationally. They won something called the AFC President's Cup uh, back in 2011. It's not played anymore, uh, but this was a tertiary event, uh, kind of like the AFC Cup, the secondary one, where it was largely for, uh, quote-unquote, developing soccer countries is how the AFC tends, tends to put that. A lot of the champions don't get to go to the Champions League. They just put them in the AFC Cup instead. This team has won 21 Division I titles through 2016. Uh, three runners-up finishes here in the new Premier League. It's only been called the Premier League for the past several seasons. Last year, they finished in second place. Uh, this year, they're really relying on the defense. They've only allowed four uh, goals in seven matches. The offense is pretty average, to be perfectly honest. But they do have a top-ten score in the league with five, and that is Wen Chi Hao. Uh, place midfielder. He just came over from having spent eight years with a second division Chinese club over on the mainland. And then they have the uh, second best goalkeeper in the league with three clean sheets, and that is Chiu Yunhong. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three and uh, had a uh, low-scoring 4-2 and two goal differential. Uh, Ming Chuan, as I mentioned, they're a university team. Interestingly, they don't play in the area of the main campus. Uh, they play in an area called uh, Taiwan, I believe it's pronounced, which is uh, in the northwest part of the country, right next to New Taipei City. Uh, translation is Peach Garden. I didn't know that that was a, a particularly strong uh, Asian or Southeast Asian uh, product, but apparently this area is very much known for its peach trees. Uh, more popular is the tech. This is a big time tech city. A lot of a lot of big companies like to put their companies there because of the cost. And here in the northwest part of the island, it's uh, protected from a lot of the natural disasters they would hit if they were in a different part of the island, of course, and more you know, open to the water. Last year, this team was in the second division and they got promoted by finishing in second place. This year, they don't have any wins or ties yet, to be perfectly honest. They've got the worst offense going, worst defense going. They're giving up three goals per match. Uh, the chances of this winning uh, of winning this are not real strong. They're only three points behind the next team up. But I'm afraid that while we normally try to look for reasons to uh, try to find a way that the underdog can somehow win. This isn't going to be one of those times. You, the voters, have chosen wisely. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> Not only do we travel all over the world on this show to federations and leagues and national teams that maybe no other soccer podcast in the West is covering. But we are also the only one I know that goes out of their way to celebrate two teams that are smack dab in the middle of their league and do it with song. That's uh, uh, amazingly, that's probably some of the better singing has ever happened on this podcast. In any event, you have voted for a Friday match from the S league. That is the top flight in Singapore. And it is ranked number 20 in Asia. That is up fours that moves them into the top half of the coefficients in Asia. Congratulations. They're about halfway through the season there. Uh, one team is going to get to go to the playoff round of the Champions League. 
Uh, one team will be on what's called standby status for the AFC Cup. So when some other team bro- drops out before it starts, which will certainly happen, then the runner-up from here will get to go. Neither of these teams is probably going to have to worry about any of that, though. We're talking about number 14, Haugen United, versus number 5, Gay Lang, with a G on the end, international. I point that out because on Twitter I accidentally put it in as a D, and it truly was an accident. We do do some silly humor here, but I promise you that that was a title. I really hope that that's not why y'all voted for it. Anyway, uh, Haugen, they're just a few points behind number 3, Tan Shong Bagar, to be perfectly honest. And that is a team that rec- uh, right now is in the AFC Cup standby position. I said that the second place team goes, but the second place team in the league right now is Albayrek's Niigata, which is a uh, reserve team for a team of the same name over in Japan that I can't, I think they still play in the second division over there right now. So that means the third place team is in position to potentially go to the AFC Cup. Nevertheless, probably won't be then. Now, uh, how gang they lead Galen by four in the standings. Uh, Galen and Galen International in turn lead a uh, youth all star team that helps round out this eight team league. Young Lions by 16. They're having a particularly rough year as they often do. We'll talk about how gang first. They are known as the Cheetahs. Uh, that how gang that is the name of a residential community in the northeast part of Singapore, has about a quarter million people. Uh, the club was founded 24 years ago as Marine Castle by Newcastle United fans in the area. So sort of a fun tie into the Premier League there. Uh, 11 years ago, they switched to their current name. Last year, they finished in third place, and that is tied for the best that they have ever done. Uh, they qualified for the 2020 AFC Cup group stage, but that got canceled because of COVID. And they are slated now to play in the 2022 AFC Cup. So congratulations to them on that. Uh, this year, uh, the defense has been more the bugaboo. They're giving up over two goals per match. The offense has been a little bit above average. It's not a particularly high-scoring league, to be perfectly honest. Nevertheless, they do have top 10 score with eight on the year from Brazil. Pedro Bordoluzzo, he plays striker for them. Uh, give you some perspective on where uh, this team and more specifically maybe this league kind of falls internationally. Uh, this guy is on the top 10. You know, he's on the scoring leaderboard for this league. He just came over from a Division Three Portuguese club that had just gotten promoted with his help from the fourth division. Team's current form, they are 2-2-0 two, two and oh in their last four. That includes a very impressive 1-1 draw against the team that is slowly starting to run away with the league, uh, Lion City Sailors. And now Galang International, known as the Eagles. I love their crest because so often when you see an eagle or some other bird on some of these crests, it's always in flight. It's always got the ball in the talons. And I always want the team slogan to be, hey, that damn bird is flying away with our ball. But no team that I've ever found has that. This eagle is clearly not in flight and he's got his talons over the ball but he is at least not yet taking it anywhere. So I appreciate that that's a little bit different than normal. Uh, Geylang, by the way, is a town or district on the eastern fringe of central Singapore. Uh, it's uh, perhaps known best for uh, having a very, very strong Malay population, which means a strong Muslim population. It's particularly known all over the region for its incredible Ramadan lights and the permanent bazaar that's there. Um, Interestingly, it's a nice uh, uh, juxtaposition. It's also very known for its red light district. 
yeah, no connection there. Anyway, two league titles to their credit. Last one they won was 2001, though. 2010 was the last time that they played internationally. They had gotten an AFC Cup berth. Oh, no. I uh, Oh, and in 2004, they made the semifinals for that. So they've got a little bit of history under their credit. A little bit of history to their credit, rather. And they've made a handful of pre-year uh, 2000 Champions League appearances. Only one quote-unquote modern Champions League appearance, and they didn't really make any noise in that. That was right around the late 90s, I believe. Last year, they finished in seventh place. This year, the offense, not very good. The defense, a little bit above average, and yet they still give up over one and a half goals per game. Uh, good for the number six goal differential overall. This is essentially the league's small ball team. I would, If they can control the pace, this will be very low scoring, and as so many matches have disappointed do, will probably end in a draw. They do have a top 10 score of their own, and that is Shime Sutsul from Croatia a forward who came up with a pretty good club over there, High Duke split, but I don't think he played for senior ball for them ever. ever. And then they've got the second-best goalkeeper in the lead in Zayafol Nizam, veteran, 34 years old, and uh, he's never played league ball outside of Singapore. Team's current form, they are 4-2-0 in their last six, and they too have an impressive 1-1 draw, although they got it at home versus number one Lion City Sailors. And now at last, we come to the true end of our podcast road, match number 13, where we look at two teams from somewhere in the world that you have voted upon that are at the very bottom of their table. This is the match of... Disappointed! And while the Herculean scorn is appropriate, I've noticed over time that some weeks, if it's a... If it's a strong country from a strong federation or known clubs, I tend to, you know, give them the business, so to speak, here in the match of disappointed. But sometimes it's just a continuation of our learning experience to talk about a league and a couple of teams from that league that just may not get as much attention in general over here in the West. As I mentioned originally, this was going to be an all-Asian bonus match section. And we are headed off to your Sunday match that you voted for from Vietnam's V-League, which Rather to my surprise, I didn't think that there were any countries as strong in Southeast Asia. They have the number 10 ranked AFC league. Things have really been, ever since China collapsed and basically went from like number one or two all the way down to 16, there's been a whole bunch of movement within the AFC coefficient. So right now they're in the top 10. Congratulations on it. Currently they get one Champions League team that will start in the group stage, one that will start in the standby position for the AFC Cup. Based on how far they just moved up in the table, I think next year that they'll get a couple of teams in the group stage. One team, now that's not really relevant for these two though. One team is going to get relegated one team will not. These are probably your two candidates for it. It is fairly early in the season. They're uh, probably about 30% of the way through, seven matches in. And your matchup, number 13, Saigon, versus number 12, Nam Din. Uh, Saigon currently trail Nam Din by three in the table. Nam Din, in turn, they are tied with Ho Chi Minh City. They're actually Ho Chi Minh City actually has a lesser goal differential, so I'm wondering uh, maybe if there is some other like head-to-head tiebreaker. In any case, there's a lot of time left in the season for that to sort itself out. Series between these two, uh, Saigon has in recent years a 4-0-3 slight advantage on them, and we will talk about them as hosts first. It's a very young club, founded just in 2016. Uh, Interestingly, they have a joint academy with a Japanese team, FC Tokyo, which just within the last year or two, I want to say, started playing and got re-promoted to uh, the top flight in Japan. 
Uh, they went with this particular name, not that it's an unusual one, because the same year that they were founded, uh, Team uh, Hanoi FC moved to Ho Chi Minh City. So suddenly Ho Chi Minh City went from not having either of these clubs to having both. Uh, this match will be hosted in the uh, Tong Nat Stadium, which has a capacity of 15,000. And uh, by the way, they don't have any points yet on the year. Oh, three and four. They're not having a good time so far. Uh, the best they've ever done in their brief history. They finished in third place in uh, 2020. That qualified them for the 2021 AFC Cup. But as we've mentioned before, that was canceled for two consecutive years. Last year, they were, uh, after a dozen games when the season got canceled, they were in 13th place. So they didn't end up relegating anybody. Other this, otherwise, this team would have gone down. Uh, this year, yeah, they're looking that way. They're not even scoring a goal per match. And then their two-plus goals per game given up averages the worst by quite a bit. Uh, it, it's a fairly low-scoring league, and yet you know this team's kind of bucking that trend. Uh, tied for number one in team scoring, amazingly, uh, with just two goals, Sebastian Gaston Merlot. I think there's a couple of guys with two goals on the team, but he is their leader, 37-year-old attacker from Argentina. And yet, other than a two-year stint with, I think, a Division II club in Argentina or somewhere in South America, he has spent his entire senior career over here in Vietnam. I see that with a lot of Brazilian players as well. It seems like, you know, they establish, they somehow pre-establish, okay, how good are you? Where are you going to get sent if not to Europe? You know, okay, you're going to go there. And then so many of these players just stay in those countries like, you know, Malaysia, Indonesia, in, you know, Southern and Southeast Asia. And then they stay there for the whole careers. They don't really bounce around. Very interesting. Anyway, the team's current form, they've lost two straight with a minuscule one and seven gold differential. Nearly as bad on the year are the Knights of Nam Din. Uh, that's in the northeast part of the country in the Red River Delta. Fascinating area. Uh, nearly a third of the population of the country is in the Red River Delta, but it, it's only 5% of the geographic area. It's dotted with industrial zones, but it's really by and large an agricultural area and a huge... Uh, rice producing region. It's about 90 miles northeast of Hanoi, if you know the capital, and that's the capital, of course. Uh, this city has about 400,000. Uh, they've fairly recently re-promoted. It's a bit of a yo-yo club. They spent 2012 through 16 all outside of uh, the top flight. They've had two runners-up finishes in the league, but uh, the first, the uh, most recent one was almost 20 years ago, 2004. 2008, they actually got to go to the Champions League group stage and they even earned a draw there. So this is not the first time the Vietnam's league has been good enough to get a team or two into the Champions League. They've only ever won one league title and that was all the way back in 1985. I mentioned earlier that they had two runners-up, but I forgot about this little bit from the moderately late 20th century. This year, they are 1-3-3 three, and three on the year. The defense is uh, a little, maybe just a little below average, but the offense is one of the worst, and that's the real problem. They've got tied for the 10th uh, worst uh, goal differential. So this is a team that probably isn't going to move up, although to be perfectly honest, my prediction is that they will pass their rivals, Ho Chi Minh City, and not have to play and, and, and be a couple spots out of the drop zone eventually. Other uh, team-leading scorer with two, and I think he's the only one with two goals, is uh, Marcio Marquez out of Brazil. He's an attacker. I couldn't find record of him playing anywhere else, even though he's only been here a couple seasons and he's 27 years old. Team's current form, 
They just got that lone win that I mentioned. They're one, three, and three. Uh, they got a home win over number seven, Viettel. And even though we weren't terribly hard on our match of disappointed spotlighted teams, we will still not wish them good luck, but whisk them away in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. boo. And that is, in fact, how we end things each and every week here on Soccer New Brock in America. This has been episode 93. Thank you very much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan the Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts that he puts in every single week on the show. Of course, to my daughter, Persnoob. I know we just had the pre-recorded countdown stuff this week, but I still appreciate everything that you have done and will continue to do for the show. And to you, thanks so much for finding us. Uh, usually we have a little bit more silliness in the show. I really hope that uh, even without that, uh, that you've enjoyed learning about all these teams and leagues and national teams from all of these you know, confederations. We hit everything all over the world except for Oceania. And I know we're going to get into the Women's Champions League, I believe starting uh, one or two episodes from now in Oceania. So we're going to uh, be there too, as is our want. Thanks a lot for finding us, checking us out. We hope that you will pass this on to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.